This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So I bought you this. House Mouse, Senate Mouse, which is sold in the gift shop to teach children how to understand the Constitution and permit me to read. It's the floor of each chamber, the Senate and House, where each senator and each Congress mouse gets to vote on the bill. And if enough do, if enough do, this president signs it if he likes to. Well, the Senate mouse, mice, the Senate mices haven't passed this yet. Perhaps if this were the rules that the Republicans had to follow, it's a much thinner book and it rhymes, maybe you'd get it right. But this is not the, the Constitution. Time is expired. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. Unplugged. Welcome to Episode 9 of The Middle Unplugged, a break in the middle of the week when we reclaim the microphone from the far left and the far right and try to carve out some time for a less shrill, and less extreme in general, less angry conversation. This week on The Middle Unplugged, rich guys who are a little less rich because they're not as smart as they or we thought they were, the other social network that we should be staring at, and in listener mail, willful ignorance. Why? Maybe I should use the adjective we are so into it, but one particular letter writer seems really stuck in her ways. So it hasn't been a great week for guys who used to be a lot richer. The obvious one, Donald Trump, you'd think January 6th, referring criminal prosecution would have been the worst part of his week, but not really. It turns out that the fact that his tax returns may soon be public to all of us is really the thing that has him the most upset. Now, let's remember a little bit about Donald Trump. It helps us to reset the table with him, particularly for those of us in New York. You know, he was given millions of dollars by his dad, Fred Trump, went into the developing business and didn't do all that well with it. He had the one project that went relatively well. The Hyatt Hotel was developed over Grand Central where he got enormous subsidies to do that work. He had some modest success with Woolman Rink in Central Park, but we now know that because some of his tax returns became public in the past, the New York Times, how many losses that he had that led him to not have to pay any federal taxes for years. This week, the House Ways and Means Committee let us know they're going to tell us just how rich he is not anymore because those filings are going to become public in one form or the other. He's had, what is it, six bankruptcy filings, a failed airline, failed casinos. But he was very successful as an image crafter and a TV guy. And again, we're kind of resetting all of this because so many of his supporters still hang on the idea. that They hang on to this notion that he was a successful businessman. And as these tax returns become public, we will realize why he fought so hard to keep them under wraps. Because if he doesn't have that reputation, what does he really have? I mean, think about it. Who would want to put Donald Trump's name on any business nowadays? The idea of him as a branding person is basically over. Except for one regard. You know, he had this much derided NFT. NFTs are non-fungible tokens. They're basically digital images that Theoretically, you can own. They're just zeros and ones. He released these playing cards or these trading cards. It's really hard to tell what they are. 
it turns out they turned out they used a lot of just stock images, but they were somewhat successful. People snapped them up because NFTs are good for people who either like the kitsch value or are already in his camp. The NFT sale went fairly well. People made fun of him about it. The money went into, notably went into his own pocket, did not go into any campaign. So maybe that's what is left for him. But what we learned about Donald Trump is that the branding that he had to do once he had to go run government is now going completely sideways and is not as rich as perhaps he would like us to think he is. But the other guy that really is in this category of people who got rich doing something and are now getting their comeuppance because they're not as smart is a fellow who started a car company. Elon Musk, give him credit. I mean, he, he didn't go into an easy business. He started a car company, something that is not easy to do, and was rewarded handsomely for it. He's at the top of the richest people. Well, I should say he used to be at the top of the richest people on earth list. We don't really know right now because he overpaid for Twitter, a struggling social media company, and has done nearly everything possible to make it struggle even more. And I don't want to get too bogged down on the Twitter fight, but you know he did go into court to stop himself from doing the deal. He found out he didn't know as much about the law as he thought, had to go ahead with the sale. And he has been running the outlet as a partisan enterprise ever since. And part of being a partisan of the right in today's world means letting hate speech flourish. And that's his right. He is a private business, but advertisers, as I pointed out in the show, can they can say no to. And the company is bleeding cash. But you don't have to take it from me or speculation. He has said it himself and has gone out to try to raise money to staunch the bleeding. And his own actions also speak to it. He recently sold another $3.58 billion of Tesla stock. And he has sold now about $40 billion this year of the Tesla stock that he has owned. And Tesla itself is in the shitter. It's today down under 142, which would mean that's about a 62% share price drop year to date for Tesla. And Tesla shareholders are learning how bad it's getting. But, you know, part of it is Tesla was 65% of the EV market this year. That's down from 71% last year. He is no longer the only show in town. His own estimates, Tesla's own estimates, and they're a publicly traded company, so we get some transparency, that they're only going to be 20% of the market 2025. That's two years from now. So Tesla is going down. Now, what is this? come down to, I think that rich people often come to believe that they're omnipotent, that, and often the public and the media buys into this. A good TV guy isn't necessarily good at property development, casino operation, or being in public office. And sometimes someone who's a good engineer like, like Musk is not that much at running social media companies. There are other models. There are models of rich guys who, you know, who understand they're not necessarily good at other things. You know, Mike Bloomberg, is a good example. You know, Mike Bloomberg, he figured out that bond traders needed real-time figures on prices and bids. And so he created this terminal that became uh, the Bloomberg terminal that became something that bond traders absolutely needed. He did a great job at figuring out what the product should have. His service was amazing. There's, you know, all these great stories about someone who, you know, who didn't turn on his Bloomberg terminal for two days in a row and gets a call from a support guy to make sure that the terminal's working well, things like that. But he had a failed magazine, a failed radio station. And when he goes into government 
And he spent a bunch of money, not as much as Musk has spent, but he spent about a quarter of a billion dollars to get in and keep the job of mayor. And by the way, I have a bias here. I ran in 2005 in the primary to run against him. I was ready to do it in 2009 as well. But when he went into government, as much as I've got criticism of him, he did hire a bunch of very good people around him. I mean, he acknowledged that he didn't know how to run government. And so he hired a bunch of good people. John Katsimatidis here at WABC is another example, you know, hiring good people to try to make it work. Don't assume that because you were good at other things, you'd be good at new businesses. There's one out there that is, I'm curious how it's going to turn out, and that's Jeff Bezos, because he seemed to have at the beginning said, listen, I'm going to let this newspaper, the Washington Post, flourish. Recently, he's lost a little bit of his mojo, and we'll see how that works out. Listen, I've avoided this problem altogether by being only a thousand air or a hundred air, whatever I am. So I don't really believe that this will be a problem that I'll have to deal with. But we do see it every day. The media falls in love with rich people, believe that they're smarter than the rest of us. And the moment they step out of their lane, they sometimes see that that's not the case. So let's do our number of the week. For those of you who listen to the Saturday show, The Middle, that I do every Saturday at 2 o'clock on 77 WBC, it's also a podcast called The Middle. If you want to subscribe to that, you've got to do it in a separate feed. We do numbers of the week. We take a bunch of numbers and we try to contextualize the news that way. Here on the podcast, we just pick one. And the number today is 18. 18 is the number of states that have taken action against TikTok as TikTok grows to be more and more popular, particularly among young users. Several states have taken action against the app, and most of them have cited cybersecurity concerns because of the app's relationship to the Chinese government. But I would argue that maybe we have been paying attention to the wrong social media company. You know, Twitter, to give you some context, has 300 million monthly users. They're pretty popular. TikTok has 1 billion monthly users. And how do I come to this issue? Well, I have a son who turns 11 today. Happy birthday, Jordan. And I have been watching as TikTok what effect it has had in his life. And yes, there is the concern about China, but there also is this notion that it is so addictive and time-consuming for kids and programmed to be that way and also how their algorithms creates dangers that I don't think we have really fully explored and understood. You know, I told you that one number, there's a digital safety app maker, Custodio, that did a study and of kids age four to 15 to see how they spend their time. And they spend an average of 87 minutes a day in the United States watching TikTok videos, almost an hour and a half on average a day. Now, remember how little time kids have once they're home from school, when they're getting up in the morning, they, you know, their days are pretty structured. And that's, you know, they watch other things too, 68 minutes watching YouTube kids, 64 minutes watching regular YouTube videos. TikTok is not even supposed to be available to anyone under 13. And, you know, the way these companies work is that they give these kids what they are asking for on speed, on steroids. So if they ask, you know, I watch Jordan, he's into the New York Islanders. He asks for videos about the New York Islanders and he gets deluged with them. But we've also seen research that shows that it goes not just for that, that it, there was a study done recently that researchers at a nonprofit, they created TikTok accounts for fictional teen personas in the United States, in the UK, Canada, and Australia. And what they did 
is they liked videos about self-harm and eating disorders just to see if the algorithm, how the algorithm would respond with minute, within minutes. They were getting all these videos coming in about the about how to lose weight, about self-harm, featuring models and pictures of razor blades. I mean, it's staggering how this how this works. Now, you know, in a way, it's exactly the way all companies, all capitalist companies work. You're making a pair of blue jeans. You find a style that people want. You put more and more of those in, into the market. Um, but it becomes, as one person put it, like a hall of distorted mirrors. If you believe you're ugly and you're constantly then being told you're ugly or you think you're not good enough and you're constantly being shown videos of other people talking about doing self-harm. And as I watch people like you know my son Jordan, who are particularly vulnerable to bullying and peer pressure and negative content about eating disorders or suicide, it's really frightening to watch. Now, TikTok says, look, this is, you know, that we... Don't let the kids on, which frankly I can tell you isn't isn't true. They say that we don't encourage harmful content. They say all the things that you would imagine that they say, but the challenge becomes that they're doing exactly maybe what every other social media company is doing, maybe what every every other company in this space is doing, but it doesn't make it any less frightening. And so what should we do about it? Well, Ed Markey, uh senator from Massachusetts wants to limit the data that social media platforms can collect about young users so that they can't feed back, you know, basically destructive content. But I think that while we're staring at Twitter fights, and look, I like it. It's fun. It's academic, largely speaking. Some people would say it's not because of the hate speech and other things. But when you're dealing with children, it is clear that these fights, we have to treat these fights as being much more serious. And I think that it also might be a place, apropos of the program that we run here called The Middle and The Middle Unplugged, is it might be a place that the left and the right can kind of come together. We have seen kind of a, a closing of ranks between the left and the right around the idea that social media companies are not our friends. Now, we come at it from different directions, sometimes it's about the hate content, sometimes about what goes on with children. But if the Republicans, as they take over the House of Representatives and the Democrats in the Senate with people like Ed Markey, maybe a place that we can agree is that we need more regulation around companies like TikTok and their ilk. I know as the father of an 11-year-old that that's what I'd like to see. So when we come back, we're going to have some viewer mail of the week and a couple of thank yous that I'd like to do as we are getting close to Christmas. When we come back, we'll do something that we like to do, which is to dip into the mailbag for our mail of the week. See you on the other side. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So welcome back to The Middle Unplugged. On the radio, getting feedback is a constant and intimate loop because we go to calls, people can have their say. When you're doing a podcast, 
There are other ways. You can reach me by at Rep Wiener on Twitter, R-E-P-W-E-I-N-E-R. I signed up for, what's that app called, Post? I don't, actually, I don't know what the, for the, the new app. A lot of apps are coming out to try to compete with Twitter or pick up if Twitter collapses. You can reach me on Facebook, Anthony D. Wiener. I also have an email address, Wiener, W-A-B-C, at gmail.com. And this week's mail comes based on something that I discussed on the middle of the radio show last week. And you can get that on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You can go back and, and listen. I devoted the episode to fentanyl and trying to get to the bottom of why we were having such a problem stopping this flood of fentanyl. And I didn't spend a lot of time debunking myths, but I did try to talk a little bit about some of the things that we know to be true about where the drugs are coming from. And just in passing, I mentioned that there's this mythology out there that you can't, you can get fentanyl from just touching it. Uh, you get fentanyl poisoning or get the effects of the drug by just touching fentanyl, which isn't true. You, you have to inhale it in some way. And then while there are fentanyl patches, they have special elements in them to make it absorb, absorb into the skin. And I just said in passing because a caller had called in and said something like they're putting it in kids' milk or something like that. And the point I made was that it's bad enough that we don't need to add to more stories. You know, there was a story going around that fentanyl was being given out. The color, the blue fentanyl pills were being colored different ways and given out in, on Halloween. Anyway, so I just said in passing that that wasn't true. And the, the reader mail of the week is Betsy L., wrote in and said, yes, people die from touching fentanyl. That's why you should never pick up dollar bills from the sidewalk. They could have fentanyl powder on it. And I responded with a thank you note to this person, and I sent her the link to the resource that I had found, pointing out that it could not, it has to be airborne, you have to inhale it. And the reason I picked out this letter is that her response was basically to say, no, I'm wrong. And that this doctor who wrote this article, and there are plenty more links that I could have sent her. And it's a puzzling thing that I encounter. Some, you know, I'm, I'm a moderate to liberal voice on a conservative radio station. And one of the things that I try to do both in the podcast and on the radio show is to try to say this idea that we can come together around problems if we have at least some fidelity to the truth and some fidelity to the fact. And there is this willingness to hold on to even the silliest things. Like one of the things that she says in her response is, is you're doing a disservice by sticking to your socialist talking points. I don't, I legitimately don't understand what it is about this little factoid. Like I'm not minimize, I'm not doing anything to give out the idea that Democrats are good and Republicans are bad. This is just a fact that I didn't know. I just, you know, I looked it up. I did the research and I found out that while there's lots of terrible things about fentanyl and it's very, very potent, 50 times more potent than heroin, you can't absorb it through your skin. It has to be airborne. It does kind of speak to this challenge that we have around knowledge and facts that we do have almost kind of a stubborn willfulness about holding on to even dumb things. <laughs> like, I don't really know why it's important that this fact that we can't clarify this particular fact and kind of agree upon it. It's almost as if I people say I don't want to learn anything from a resource that disabuses of my own political view, even if it's not part of the political view. The fentanyl crisis is serious and it's real, as I pointed out to Betsy and I pointed out on the radio. There's plenty of reasons we can go into about why that is the case. But if we can't even 
have a conversation that has nothing to do with blame, nothing to do with partisanship. It's just a fact about this particular drug. It's really bad. And as I point out on the show, a lot of policy decisions that were made going back to Obama that made this fight on this war on to stop fentanyl from coming in has not been successful. But no, you can't get fentanyl from just touching it, nor is it in your milk, nor is it in your Halloween candy. So that's our episode this week. We'll be back next Wednesday for the Middle Unplug. I'll be doing some fill-ins this week. I'm excited about that. just want to say a couple of words of thanks, first of all, to all of you, the listeners who have, who have downloaded the podcast. I really appreciate it. It's doing very well with all of your support, the feedback that I've gotten both in the forms of letters and mail. I want to wish you all a meaningful and happy Christmas and Hanukkah. I want to particularly give a shout out to my amazing producer, Michael Garcia, who has helped me learn podcasting. The challenges this week were particularly cute. He's done an amazing job to make it sound so great, upload it as, and make sure it gets into your feed. I want to thank him. All the folks at the Red Apple Podcast Network, um, John and Margot Katsimatidis, who've given me the opportunity. Look forward to seeing you again. I will going to be on Christmas Eve on the radio and uh, New Year's Eve on the radio. So I'll be the last voice that you hear. And I really appreciate the opportunity to be that. And this is the end of the Middle Unplugged. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.